Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome, friends, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is a show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little deeper into life than you may do on your own. We're here to offer you a unique perspective from both worlds, psychological world and the spiritual world at the same time. My name is Callie Alpert. I'm here in the central Hudson Valley in New York with my dear friend, co-host and spiritual psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg, Hi, representing Kelly. the West Coast. Hi. I'm so happy you invited me onto your show today. <laughs> You're my guest. I'm, uh, you know, <laughs> I've been wanting to be on the show for a long time. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that once where we'll interview each other. We'll be each other's guests. That, that could actually you know be kind of fun. Be cool. You know, we just, we just, we just um, gave birth to a new idea. I like it. So our show today... The lens of perception. Are you going through some tough stuff? Raise your hand. Steve and I are both raising our hands. Um, are you feeling challenged in big ways and small ways? <laughs> hand goes up again in the front row. Well, here's a concept. I'm going to get right to the right to our punchline for today. Here's a concept you probably have not considered, and I even have to heed my you know my own awareness of this. Everything is working for you, not against you. Everything that happens to you, even when it feels like the most far-fetched, woo-woo, crazy concept, it really is true. We're going to talk about why today and see if we can remind ourselves in the process. <laughs> the perception, perception is the part of our conscious that experiences reality and is found in every spiritual tradition from Native American to Jungian psychology. But where do our beliefs really come from that shape our perceptions and can they be used productively to help us to a healthier and happier state? The answer is a resounding yes. So today we're going to offer up a unique way to reframe everything you perceive as tough stuff and use it as a crucial stepping stone to thrive and foster joy. I'm, glad, I, I'm glad I'm on the show today. Right? I'm so glad you are too because this, would, this show would be far from existing <laughs> if it weren't for you. So that's a big promise Right. That's a big concept that we're offering. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to build up to that a little. Just use that as a teaser. You know, the idea that, you know, everything really is created by our highest selves for our greatest good is hard to feel when you're having a really bad day, bad week, mm -hmm. bad year. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I fall, both fall into that category today. We do. Don't we? Mm -hmm. um, so let's start about first with our beliefs. Right. That perceptions are determined by our belief system. Do you believe that? <laughs> um, yes, I've grown to believe it. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't mean that I remember it reflexively every time I'm in the middle of like a cluster of some sort. Yeah, I think a, a great example of that 
is when we get up on a certain morning and we're feeling kind of moody, ill at ease, a little restless, a tad bit depressed. And our perception, everybody's had this experience, our perceptions mm -hmm. that day are quite limited. Yeah. And they often give way to the mood we're in. Mm -hmm. So we don't see the beauty of life. Life seems kind of dim, rather dark, unsuccessful. Keep going. <laughs> and that perception is coming out of a belief. So on the other side of that, waking up in a good mood, we tend to sing with the birds, look at the clouds go by, think about calling a friend to say how much we love them. Mm -hmm. So this is a simple example of how perceptions are guided by our beliefs. Mm. And also, our, to take it a step further, often our beliefs, or maybe it's going backwards, our beliefs seem to be um, created or fostered by our external circumstances most of the time. Until well, we start yeah, doing more work. Yeah, most beliefs are created through time. It's really hard to create a belief in a, in, out of a quick experience. Mm. So beliefs are something that are uh, mature, like fine wine, over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And let's say things haven't been going well in a love relationship. So that happens once, and then it happens again, and it happens a third time. And by the third time, it's like, I'm never going, it's never going to work. I'm I not. always find the wrong person. I always play out my old history. I'm never, I'm always, I'm never, I'm, I'm always. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not intelligent enough, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the way beliefs are structured, through difficult circumstances. You know, we're talking about two kinds of beliefs, positive right. beliefs and negative beliefs. Right. But either way, they're being reinforced by our thoughts. They are. In our minds and... Um, before, because I neglected to say yeah. that we always love to hear from all of you, our dear listeners. So if anybody would like to call in with a question, with a comment, with a story, we are here to receive you. The number is 816-251-3555. So please join us. Don't be shy. Um, so let's talk now about like the, you know, because here's another distinction that we like to make is that our beliefs can be rooted in this current lifetime from our families of origin, from the kind of experiences we've had, from the kind of life we've led up until this point. And also, if you believe in uh, other traditions, your our karmic history, right? right? And that some of these stories and some of these beliefs and perceptions are um, lifetimes old. Right. And we're going to reiterate from an older show which is karma is not a punishment. Karma is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's so important because when we talk about karma, we're going, oh my God, my bad karma. Yeah, and people talk about karma, they think, oh, well, well if somebody's a, you know, living a great privileged life and has a great you know, um, opportunity and cush and the whole thing that they must have done real good things in their previous life. 
and if they're being challenged in this lifetime that they did really bad things in their last life. A lot of people kind of simplify it, but that's actually not the case, is it? No, it really isn't. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It, It really doesn't. So if we go back to the Vedic tradition in India, which goes back about 4,500, 5,000 years. Yeah. They they have two wonderful words, which we've mentioned before, and it has a lot to do with beliefs. And that word, two of them, one is samskara, mm-hmm. and the other is vasana. And samskaras are, the definition is, impressions left in the heart, from lifetime to lifetime. Vasanas are the way those impressions structure beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so what the Vedic philosophy says is whatever is unfinished in a particular lifetime is woven back into a life experience to be completed. And so these samskaras and vasanas They say are woven into the personality. And the way you can figure out about your samskaras, which is very interesting, those would be beliefs that you've had ever since you were young that weren't necessarily, they may have been catalyzed by your family, but not caused by your family. I love the idea. First of all, these two words are so beautiful. Sanskrit words, right? Samskara and vasana. Yeah. Right? So they're just, they're such beautiful words. And I, once I became acquainted with them and I've started doing more work around them, in some ways it's, it, it really helps you to take a load off because, you know, I think about like, I'm somebody <laughs> yeah. who sort of, you know, is habitually um, taking too much accountability. Like I'm on one end of the spectrum that's perhaps not so healthy, trying to own so much of my experiences and my storylines and my relationships and my dynamics and what, you know, what have, how have I contributed to it and where's my responsibility to the point where I have exhausted myself. I'm trying to swing back, back more toward the middle now, be a little healthier about it. But in some ways to understand this as an explanation for long patterns that seem to be persistent and um, and unrelenting throughout my life. Um, it's a wonderful, I don't say excuse, but in some ways it is. It's like a relief. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been there since I was whatever. <laughs> Warrior minus, princess in Tibet. Minus 500 in Tibet, yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's really, it's amazing how uh, it can really help. And it's interesting to look at things that way. I think, so as we introduce these concepts, I would invite all of you all to just start to think about um, the idea, because our goal with so many of the shows that we do, but especially with one like like this one, our theme today, is to start creating some distance where you can actually look at these patterns and these stories and these trajectories that you've experienced as not you, but as separable, almost like a storyline or an energy that's there. And we'll talk about why we believe it's there um, to learn from and to benefit from. But if you can start to look at it like it's this other like you're witnessing it and then it, it's not you and it doesn't have ownership of you is sort of a step in kind of number one step in the direction that we're trying to encourage everybody today. Yeah, let me just footnote because what you said was so important. Um, it's not you. Right. So karma as an opportunity gives you another chance to complete something that was incomplete. Mm-hmm. It gives you another chance to heal something 
that was unhealed. And if we look at it that way, we become the helper to ourselves. Mm. We become the teacher to ourselves. We become the mentor to ourselves in order to heal and resolve these things that we brought with us. Oh, you know, there's a great quote I have to... Oh, please, we haven't heard a quote from you today yet. It's already, we're already 15 minutes in. (laughs) I love your quotes. Okay, Chief Seattle, who was the great medicine man uh, of the, uh, I think, a Navajo of the 19th century. He said, all the time we go about pitying ourselves, we are being carried by great winds across the sky. And we're going to be talking about those great winds today. That's so beautiful. I haven't heard that one. That's gorgeous. gorgeous? That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. So we talk about some of our, I know for me, I mean, I still feel in it, you know, I said before the show, there's a few of them that I still feel in. Like it's, I I guess, um, if you're, if you're on a path to try to get to know yourself better, to heal your stuff, to get, you know, to have your psychological and spiritual practices, whatever your thing is, you're on whatever kind of a ride to grow as a person. Um, you know, the first thing would be just to to really get to know. Well, first of all, before we even talk about that, it's just to identify what these patterns are. And and like what to your point, I think it's empowering to look at it that way. It makes us realize we can take back our power if there are ways for us to um, recognize these energies, recognize it from the perspective and the lens that you just um, suggested, where they're there for our you know for our help, for our benefit. That whether that they're there to work out. Um, lessons or curriculums. I always think of life as curriculum that we haven't, um, you know, that we haven't worked out yet. Um, So, but I also know what it's like dearly and not happy about it (laughs) to feel really trapped in a lot of these energies and these patterns Mm -hmm. that I still haven't grown out of. Like Mm -hmm. I know them well, I've gotten, you know, I'm familiar with them. I've done a lot of work around them and still they don't go away. Some Mm -hmm. of them, some of them are really on their own timeline. It feels Mm -hmm. like, right. No matter how much work you do, how much you get to know. That's the samskara aspect that these roots go back centuries. And so when you're working on, on roots, uh, you have to be very patient with yourself. Yeah. All of this stuff that we talk about really demands uh, a kind of deep patience and a deep honoring of the work that we've come to do, all of us. So before we get into, um, go a little deeper into why, what to do with this sort of perspective and to mm-hmm. really get to know and believe the idea that everything is working for us, because easy to say when you're not going through mm-hmm. dark periods, when you're not trading roles with somebody uh, on another side of the planet who you know on the news is going through something really difficult. Again, very, you know, I never want to minimize mm-hmm. um, that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do we know? I ask you this question when I get all like obsessed with, you know, not trusting some of these greater lessons. Mm-hmm. How do we know this to be true? How do you know that this is all working for our benefit and for our greater good, especially when we don't feel it? Like, how are we to take this, you know, sort of um, try it on for size as a philosophy to kind of shift things and reframe our perspectives, our perceptions? Well, uh, the first thing I'm going to say is that <laughs> A lot of it is based on faith. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And that's the, that's the test right there, because it's not like we know 
right. in the moment that there's a greater something at large, you know, at play here. It's not what most of us are feeling every day when we're working the stuff through. A lot of it is faith. A lot of it is resonance. So some people, when you're reading a spiritual book, there would be experiences of resonance. And for me, that resonance is a remembrance mm. of your own wisdom, of your own knowledge. And Plato said the same thing. He said, all education is actually a remembrance of what you've always known. And, I love that. Yeah. and so first there's faith, <laughs> then there's resonance. And um, I don't know the third thing really. Um, it, again, it's it's a feeling inside that this makes sense. You know, my whole life has been a collection of things that have made sense to me. Right. Whether it's in books or going to lectures or workshops, and I kind of take those things that make sense, and I make a necklace out of them. <laughs> You string them together. You string your pearl necklaces together. Right. I know you do. Yeah. That's kind of how we live, mm. don't we? Yeah. 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 And also maybe to add to that list is the all the great masters that say so. That's right. worth trusting right there. All the great quotes that we've had in our back pockets, all the, you know, um, the Joseph Campbells and the Rumi's of the world that have all sort of promised us that this is true. <laughs> we have to choose to believe it. And then every once in a while, the more you open up to the belief, you get your own, um, you get your own proof. You do. Right. The other proof, can I, I just thought of the third one that I couldn't remember. Yeah. The third one is having experiences that are so difficult and so arduous and then coming out of it and seeing the kind of poignant and precious learning, the precious growth that's come out of it. Right. Beautiful. And you realize, oh, my God, that was for a reason. Mm -hmm. Even though doing it, I was just cursing it. Yeah. And cursing would be mild, right, for yeah. one of us. Um, the other thing, too, um, that I can, you know, as I just continue to try to heed these practices and these belief systems, is that, um, like what you said, the rearview mirror kind of idea, it really becomes easy. It starts showing up while you're in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. You see more grace and more beauty while in the, I, I can't curse on unity, but while you're in these you know, storms. Um, by the way, it's hard for me not to curse on certain days. So I just want to make sure we're all clear on that. <laughs> hey, I didn't know um, you were holding back. I on do. Us. You know, I enjoy cursing and I don't curse on this show. Um, you also but, enjoy smoking cigars. I do. I just had one the other night. Thanks for, thanks for remembering. You didn't even know that. Um, so I feel like um, it's really important for people to know that once you do take the leap of faith and once you just try this on for size and no one's saying that you have to believe it for eternity. If you think it's a crock and it doesn't work for you, that's fine. But if you continue to kind of lean into it and then you start doing some of the work around it, which we're going to get to um, in the remainder of the show, it really starts um, lightening your load. So when you're in the middle of really difficult things, you can still find a lot of grace and a lot of beauty. You know, I'll share just 
Um, you know, example right now is that going through an extremely challenging time around both of my elderly parents um, and lots of issues and emergencies and challenges happening concurrently in this last week with both of them. And one of my biggest life lessons has been around creating more space and healing from a lot of um, trauma that was experienced in my family of origin growing up and how now um, just my two parents who I love very much, but also, you know, have learned a lot from um, that hasn't been easy um, are in more fragile um, and, and more need of me. So it's a very interesting position to have spent, you know, 57 years of my life trying to heal and correct and um, undo trauma and find different ways of loving myself and healing from different ways that um, that has all impacted me. And at the same time, be there for them at this stage in life. And so while we're going through all these difficulties and these challenges, um, and I don't mean to be cryptic, it's just e easier and more respect respectful not to like hit the, you know, the litany, uh, the laundry list of every single nuance of it, but just suffice to say every day, lots of chaos and lots of different things that we have to um, sort out that are not easy to sort out. Um, I still find myself having moments of space or seeing beauty in a flower or a tree or being able to give my energy to somebody else who's in need of it, even though I'm not operating at full capacity. And so I share that because um, a lot of it is due to uh, believing in this sort of thought process that we're sharing today and starting to lean into it and knowing that it really is true. The effects of it start showing up and you start to realize that you're not a um, your, that your, that your storylines, your samskaras and your, um, vasanas and all of your challenges are, do not take hold of you, but yet you can use them for an opportunity. And it's really just a matter of shifting, reframing, really. Reframing and we'll use our title, changing right. your perception. Right, right. And that perception changes as, uh, and obviously this is, one of the main things I do in my therapy practice, I'm changing beliefs. Mm -hmm. I'm not changing them. I'm helping people see their life differently, mm. uh, see their beliefs differently, see their fears differently. And, you know, the great word is reframe them. Mm -hmm. And um, I can tell you over a long period of time that I've been working, the reframing of beliefs is probably the the most important thing that I do with people. And aside from the techniques I use, I'm always urging people to meditate and teaching them both meditation and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Because that really is bottom line, probably one of the most foundational core springboards from which you need to heal is creating space and meditation right. is like the greatest portal to it a lot of people think you meditate to relax or to calm back down or i mean there's so many benefits physiologically sure. psychologically spiritually um but one of the one of the biggest cumulative effects and it happens in a physiological way it's almost like it fills up the pot of mm -hmm. your neuroplasticity with more space 
you might be able, you might want to correct me on the, the way I'm, I'm articulating that. Um, but it really does create breath and air so that you're not your stories. I use this analogy. I share this with you recently. I shared this with my sister. It's almost like you're sitting in a, um, you're watching a play, right? You're sitting in a, a theater and you want front row seats so that you can be really, really close to what's happening on stage. And what's happening on stage is your storyline, whichever of these storylines you, you know, you want to choose. And we all have many, a lot of your karmic storylines, picture it as a story. It's playing out on stage. You're sitting in the front row watching it. The more you meditate, the more you're apt to be able to um, step backwards and sit further and further away from the stage so that there's actual space between what you're, where you're witnessing it from and what you're watching. That to me is just a helpful visual as a benefit of meditating. I, I, I told you the other day, I love that one. And I'll give you another one because we want to make this clear. Um, in the Buddhist tradition, they call the thoughts and feelings the mind stream. Right. And so before you practice meditation and mindfulness, you're standing in the stream. But the stream can be a rushing river. Mm. And you're being thrown up against rocks. You're being you're all wet. You're upside down. And as you learn to meditate and be mindful, you actually start swimming to the side of this stream and then you start standing on the banks and watching it and then as Callie says you get a hammock and you just <laughs> listen to it from a distance <laughs> it's a miraculous thing it really right? is to not be owned by your and again this is kind of step one you know this is step one as to how to start to heal these storylines and what feel like these unrelenting situations and patterns in our life step one is really to make that space. And it's a miraculous thing when you notice in the middle of whatever situation you're going through that you have space. Um, it's, it's a miraculous thing. It can really drive, it drives me to tears on certain days with gratitude for just knowing now what that feels like after, you know, a lot of years of not knowing what that feels mm -hmm. like. So next we're going to get to sort of more of the nuts and bolts now that we've teed up a lot. We don't want to tease all of you. We want to kind of land the our information here. We're going to talk about different ways that you can start to heal these patterns and different ways to make friends with just the things you think are your enemies. How does that sound? I like it. We'll be right back. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, friends, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. We are talking about the lens of perception. Um, meaning that 
if you start to recognize your deepest life patterns, the ones that feel really unrelenting and really challenging, coupled with just difficult circumstances um, in general, that these are not soul punishments, but can actually be looked at as soul opportunities if you know how to make friends with them and you know how to kind of use them in a more opportunistic and empowering way. You are not relegated to be at their mercy. And we're going to talk to you about how you do that. Um, first, let's take a caller that's been waiting patiently on the line. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Hi. What's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Jan, and I'm calling from Los Angeles. Welcome to the show today. What do you? How are you at um, at the idea of reframing when you're going through difficult storylines in your life? Oh, I am totally open to that idea. Um, <laughs> I, it, it brings up a question for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never quite understood how negative beliefs can create negative circumstances and vice versa for positive beliefs. Is there an explanation for that? So do you mean this is like the thoughts create thing? Like what you put your, you know, what you put your attention on yes. is what you create. Is that where you, where you're coming yes. from? Yes. Yes. Would you like me to take it, Callie? Sure. (laughs) So um, let's go back to that wonderful quote and start with that. I'm going to say it again because it has so much to do with what you're saying. From Chief Seattle, all the time we go about pitying ourselves, we are being carried by great winds across the sky. And so what did that mean when he said that? The great winds have to do with our soul's destiny. It has to do with what they would call Wonkatonka, or the great god of the Native Americans. Wonkatonka. Don't you love that? I love saying that. That's fun. Isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. So everything was being orchestrated. There was a co-creation between a person's choices a person's soul, and the great god of Wonkatonka. And all of those together were translated as great winds coming across the sky. So that's a background. Mm. In terms of the negativity creating negativity, in a spiritual sense, negativity would be more dense, lower frequency, and darker energy. And that energy, as they talk about, uh, whether it's Abraham or in The Secret, uh, they talk about the fact that these frequencies magnetize like frequencies. It's an old, old concept. Goes way back. Mm. It goes back, it's very biblical even. where they talk about karmic things like that. So positive frequencies, which are lighter and and they're quicker, they're higher, they create like frequencies of better circumstances. Um, So if you think of it in the simple way that these are all based on frequencies that we are transmitting. And when we have negative beliefs, and they're strong, we go over them 
and over them and over them and over them. And Mm -hmm. I did that all the time because of how I was brought up. My father was always worried about not having enough money. And I would think, I don't have enough money. I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to be a homeless. And I did it over and over. And I had so much trouble with amassing money. And it kind of followed me all my life. So that's one example of it. Kelly, would you like to chime in? Uh, well, you also, um, you've used this analogy too. What happens when you're in the space of the negative things and how they easily perpetuate is then you start throwing more wood on the bonfire and you start thinking about all the other things in your life that aren't going well and all the other problems. And it's almost like your brain starts attracting even, um, not and very unconsciously, it's our natural inclination to start piling that on and let, and, and fueling that fire. And um, so I think one of the sort of bottom lines takeaways here also is that it's it's really a testament to how helpful and important it is to try to stay as open and soft and um, not dense as you can, even when you're going, especially when you're going through something really difficult, I'm not saying it's easy to do, but that's when we revert back to meditation and getting still and mindfulness and some of the action steps we'll share in our final segment. Um, but the more space you can have, the lighter the vibration and the more um, you'll start magnetizing some of the nicer stuff, or at least not exacerbating the denser, more negative stuff. Maybe that's just an easier way to look at and it. And I think just another point on that, um, if you're going through something difficult, we tend to beat ourselves up. Mm. We tend to criticize ourselves. So during those periods, which we all go through with no exceptions, uh, if you can be gentle with yourself, if you can be patient with yourself, and Cal used the word soft, if you can be softer with yourself, it pulls you a little bit away from that and lightens the situation. Mm. How does that sound, Jan? That sounds good. That sounds good. Thank you. That sounds good. Does it make sense to you? I mean, is it helpful or is it a little too, um, little too airy fairy? It, it, no, it's a, I feel a softening from it. It helps a lot. Mm. I don't think it's airy fairy at all. It's very, uh, for me, it's very grounding and makes a lot of sense. Good. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for calling and for the question. Thank you for the answer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. So I think um, let's get to the magic sauce of all of this, because I think it's probably the most important part of um, the show that we can offer to our listeners today. I keep trying to buy that sauce. <laughs> Is that on Amazon? Uh-huh. I think it's I think you actually there might be a discount involved at this point. Yes, for, <laughs> for you. Um, so this is one of the greatest things I've learned from you. So I really would rather you, you speak to it first about how we notice these patterns, these storylines and use them for our greatest good from an opportunistic place instead of from a place of burying us um, and burying our heads in the sand and feeling defeated. Okay. It's a very big topic. It is. It's an important one. Do we have three hours on this one? Not today, but we can do a sequel. All right. Let's go back and forth together with this. Okay. Okay. So um, the first idea is what we spoke about earlier. Callie actually spoke about how it eases her to know this is something that comes from antiquity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is an ancient pattern. 
It's an ancient pattern of pain and suffering that hasn't been finished and is given to us because we do, and this is the big one coming up, anything that we find inside of us, and I mean anything, and any circumstance that is being brought our way is telling us in no uncertain terms that we have the strength and the power to heal it and to overcome it. That's a given. And that it's asking that of us. Go ahead, say what it is. Right? That yeah. it's that it's there because it's something that still needs love and needs to be known by us and needs our warm embrace. Correct. And so that's the other thing we're getting to is that everything that is coming up that is difficult, you can often think of it, I do, as a difficult child. And difficult children can be very demanding. Mm. They can break things, they can knock doors over, they can set the house on fire. Tantrums. Tantrums. <laughs> Unrelenting Obsess bad behavior. Obsessive bad behavior. So we're making the analogy between a child who is in great need, is in great pain. And so certain parents will punish them for doing these things. Other parents may punish them and then learn what it is that's motivating them. And so this idea of understanding what it is that's occurring to us and knowing that it's coming to us because it needs our help. Right. It needs our friendship. It needs our love. It needs our compassion. It needs our kindness. It needs our tenderness. And that's kind of the first step in understanding how to begin working with this energy. Beliefs are just energies. And these old energies are coming with great need. And that's why they're so persistent. And I can tell you something else. They're also persistent because they've been neglected. Mm, right. And I actually... <laughs> go on, brother, go. That's why the earth is so persistent now. Mm. And there's so many ch changes of the weather and the hurricanes and the floods because Mother Earth unfortunately, has been neglected by the people who live here. Mm -hmm. And she's saying, hey, look at me. I need your help. Please come toward me with love. Beautiful analogy. Yeah, really, really nice analogy. I mean, you, you've always said this. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> you quote masters, and I just like throw back quotes to you that, I, that I've learned from you over the years. But um you know, you've always uh, said that everything wants to be known. It's so mm -hmm. simple, and it's like our opposite inclination. Most of us want to push away, um, push down, not give words to, not face unpleasantries, difficult repetitive patterns, difficult relationships, all the things that we're putting into the category of these opportunities. And if you just play with it and think about doing exactly the opposite of what your inclination is, that's really the point we're trying to make. Instead of the, nothing's going to go away, nothing's going to lighten up, and nothing's going to leave your being or improve if you don't 
let it come out and let it come out with grace and love. If you continue to push it down or be afraid of it or turn, you know, turn your cheek to it, it's only going to fester. It's a pretty, just a kind of fundamental. Right. Absolutely. Right. So let's talk about do a shout out. Yes, please. For David Attenborough's film. Oh, just a gorgeous film Mm. that we both watched. Beautiful. Called the year earth changed. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's about the pandemic, shot in seven countries during the lockdown. And what it shows is the repopulation of the earth uh, when the humans left. Mm. And the gorgeous rebalancing act that it starts to do very quickly. And that's the same thing we're talking about. If you give it more space and you give it more time and you give yourself more friendship, your body and your psyche will start doing a beautiful rebalancing act. Pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. It will become your friend instead of your enemy. Yeah. I love that analogy. I like how you did the shout out and then you kind of segued it back to, um, to uh, what we're talking about today. And I, I agree that that documentary was so beautiful and it was amazing to me how it was a great example of how our deepest knowledge and intuition, this being the natural world and animals, so just their primal instincts, um, caught on to fixing things and repopulating in really, really um, pretty expedient ways. It was pretty, it's beautiful. It's really good medicine. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, Now, if we sort of redirect that to we humans, um, let's talk about how, let's, let's give some examples of how we get to make friends with these things that are really uncomfortable and icky and difficult. Are you going to tell us? I can tell you. Okay. Yeah, sure. So, well, first of all, we, you know, we talk a lot about this. It's the idea of um, identifying what one of your storylines is. You know, I'm always going to be single. I'm always going to be broke. Um, People don't like me. I'm not deserving of a good job, whatever it might be. I'm just throwing out some everyday examples. If you can first identify what those things are that cause you a lot of pain and hopelessness, pick one and then get to know it better. You tell, I don't want to take away from your story, but you've told stories of like befriending different entities that have really plagued you for a long time where you personified and then you take it out for tea. (laughs) Or hot chocolate. Well, I always want to say martini, but you're too clean for that. So go for it. Well, Callie knows that I was plagued because of the dad I talked about. Thank you, dad. And I always want to thank my dad for giving me so much Mm. absolutely great material to use on our shows. Thank Uh, you, dad. Thank you, dad. He taught me that life was lack. That's my new bumper sticker. Life is lack. (laughs) And, uh, Every Saturday, he would sit and scream and yell and have a tantrum about not having enough money. And I was terrified, just terrified, because I didn't even know what that meant and where we would wind up. But anyway, when I started my psychology practice early on, I always had this dread fear that everybody would leave me and that I would have no money and I actually saw myself being a bag man, mm-hmm. a homeless person with a cart. And um, this is when this whole process started, really. 
I, I made this decision that he needed my friendship. And so, as Callie said, one day I went to him in my mind and offered him some tea. And so that began a long-term friendship where we talked together. I bought him some clothes. I got him some new shoes and socks. <laughs> and, and, and finally, what happened was I got him into a homeless male <laughs> shelter. And uh, he was there for a while. And then one day I came back and I hadn't talked to him for a while. And I said, would you like to leave the shelter? And by that time, he had become a leader there. And he said he was very happy doing what he was doing <laughs> and that he thanked me for the work that we had done together. And that was the last we've heard of each other. <laughs> I love that. First of all, it's so darn sweet. Um, second of all, just to clarify for people that think this is all like really, really wacky and kooky, you know, obviously this is all happening in our, with us, with ourselves in our imagination while, you know, whether it's while during our meditations or whether it's just us being sitting quietly somewhere, whether it's writing, whether it's creating art, like whatever it is, you know, your internal process, there's no right or wrong, wrong way to do it for you. It was internal, right? Inside of your mind during right. your meditations or extra time that you would allot yep. to like that particular yep. process. And it's almost like you're just rewriting a story and making exactly. friends and giving this, giving the, just what you thought was your enemy, your greatest amount of love and attention. And then it disappears. Yeah. You're taking a fear yeah. and making a character out of it and learning how to have a relationship with that character. Right. And that's all that character has ever wanted. The fear has only ever wanted you back. Mm -hmm. Right. You can write letters to it. Yeah. You can draw it. Um, for me, I mean, again, I've, I have so many, who doesn't, we all have so many, some scars and, and storylines. I have ones that also, sh you know, you and I share that come to, um, come to that, that relate to money and lack. For me, another one I've struggled with that I still haven't quite sorted out, but I feel like I'm at the end of it is about um, habituating singleness and feeling like I haven't uh, magnetized the right uh, man for me to, to be my life partner. Um, and a lot of patterns that have that have repeated and repeated with lessons that I needed to learn. But there's one that's pretty current that I'm actively inside of. I mean, it's it's an old story, but it's something I've done active work on lately. And it has to do with the fact that, you know, I was um, the, the way I was raised in the family I was raised in. I, my needs were really never met emotionally as a sensitive little girl who was a you know, you've you've pointed it out to me, somebody whose heart really likes to meld with people in a deep way. But I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that I was not um, feeling heard and not feeling um, seen for who I was separate from who I was as a reflection of my mother in particular in our household. And so what that caused in me, now I'm aware of it, is a fear that I was always too much for people, especially too much for men. I'm too sensitive. I want to talk too much. I want to communicate too much. I want to feel too much. I'm going to scare people away. And really what I was doing was not serving that part of me because instead I was finding people who perfectly fit that lesser than um, and gave me more reason to feel self-conscious about this part of me. So once I got a little more awake to everything that we're talking about today, I started playing with this in a different sort of way. And I decided that I would um, learn to make friends with this little girl part of me. And I've never liked the expression inner child. It's always something I've sort of, uh, you know, pushed away. But whatever words you want to use, the semantics don't matter. And I started to learn to get to know uh, that part of her again. And 
instead of tamping myself down, which is what I was advised to do by a lot of people over the years, friends and whoever, myself, and feeling like I never could be fully myself, I started to embrace it and making friends with that piece of me. And again, very recently, even in the last like few months to a year, and what started to happen is the more that I embrace the part of me that is deeply sensitive and wants to be in in relation with people that's very truthful and open and real and communicative, like what I have with you, um, the more those people have been showing up and the more that um, the hole isn't as big. So when it doesn't happen, I don't get as stung by it. If I feel like I'm not operating to capacity with someone or I'm feeling limited with a friend or, you know, whomever um, in my life, it used to really hurt me and it used to make me kind of judge the way I showed up in the world. And now the opposite is happening. So I hope that makes sense. Sometimes I my story, <laughs> when I'm in the middle of something, it's so personal. I don't know that it comes across in my storytelling abilities, but I, but it works is really what I'm trying to say. Perfect. So uh, I'm thinking of a kind of summarizing what we've been talking about today. Yeah. And I think it's, if we go on the spiritual adventure that Callie and I are on, you can think of circumstances that are coming into your life as soul driven. Those circumstances are coming to heal you. They're coming to challenge you. They're coming to offer you uh, an opportunity to become more patient, more resilient, a bigger person. And the beliefs that you have have come from eons away at times and sometimes from our childhood. But those are there too to broaden you, to grow you, to evolve you, to help you. And so we're going back to the very first thing. Everything there is for you rather than against you. Mm -hmm. And we also totally recognize before we get into our action steps for today that um, it's like we like Steve said earlier, this takes a lot of patience and a lot of commitment and a lot of determination to even play with this. And it's especially difficult mm-hmm. to do when you're in the midst of all this tough stuff. Um, and there's plenty of days when it's it doesn't resonate for me or I know it in my head, but I don't know it in my body. It's not like fully in me, but I still in my head intellectually know it. And sometimes that just has to be enough. And then there's days where I could be driven to tears with the knowledge of all of this. So it really does work, but you have to put the time in. It's like a class that you have to decide you want to take or not. Um, So with that, our action steps for today. First one, um, ask yourself, does it feel like one of your negative beliefs about yourself is taking hold of you, is in the driver's seat? Try to simply identify it and then figure out what its purpose is in life. Is it something that's valid? Is it imaginary? Or is it trying to teach you something? Second, our one soul challenge, because I like how you've been, we have to infuse a little one soul challenge into our shows now because we like that wording. Um, Practice being mindful with your um, belief systems if there's a challenge or something that's difficult and simply take a step back, breathe, become a little more spacious, meditate on it and watch your beliefs come and go. And then thirdly, maybe use the rear view mirror technique. If you Think about something that did plague you for many years. Maybe there's a pattern that you used to struggle with that is now dispersed and transmuted and has let go of you and moved on out to the ether. Think about um, what good came out of that because inevitably something did. You might not have known it at the time, but just recognize that everything that we're talking about here could very well be true. 
that there's always some sort of um, a benefit. And then the more you recognize that, the more you'll start to be able to um, adopt that while you're in the thick of it and kind of ease your, ease your pain a little bit. So again, just to repeat these, um, number one, try to check out your negative beliefs about yourself and try to identify, um, figure out what place and what purpose it's playing in your life. Is it valid? Is it imaginary? Um, is it a storyline that maybe you're perpetuating because it's familiar, but you could break free of it if you chose to kind of take a new, take a new route? Um, and is it trying to teach you something? Number two, uh, our one soul challenge for the week is to practice being mindful around your stories and your challenging belief systems. Just simply take a step back and breathe and notice it. Notice when it's coming up. Try to create a little space and watch your beliefs come and go. And then thirdly, think about an old situation. Look in the rearview mirror and think about an old situation that at the time really plagued you and felt like an impenetrable, unrelenting, insidious, toxic Wow. <laughs> wow. I just, it's coming out. Trash your, dumpster. It's because, you, yeah. In fact, a, 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 well, total digression. A friend of mine once led us through a meditation and used the dumpster, like the recycle uh -huh. bin, as the analogy. Right. Put it in there and let it transmute and say goodbye to it. Anyway, think of a situation where that happened and just simply use it as a, a reference point to buy yourself a little bit more peace and belief in what we're trying to introduce to you today. So, with that, we want to thank everybody. For joining us. As always, you mean a lot to us. You can find us um, on Instagram at One Soul Radio. You can find us One Soul Radio Podcast on Facebook. Please engage with us. Let us know the topics and issues you're interested in. Next week, your daily practice and a very interesting spin, which is um, kind of looking at are, if you are or are not still in touch with the reason you chose your practice to start with. So enjoy your week and we'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.